Hello, welcome to this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Quite an entertaining week on and off the field in the world of Rugby League and we have another big one around the corner. Let's take you through this week's panel. We have Huddersfield's Managing Director Richard Fewless, Leading Player Agent Graham Taylor and from the Barrow Raiders Dion Cross. Gents, welcome. I think there's only one place we can start and that's in Perpignan. Uh, they were fighting literally on and off the field uh, on, on Saturday. Rather ugly scenes, Graham. What's your take on everything that went down? It's certainly not good for the good luck for the game. No, it's not good for the game. I think when you, you look at the scenes, uh, you, you've obviously got to start with on the field first. Did the players do themselves justice? Uh, probably not. As a, a contact sport, and there, there are very many fights in the, in our sport. However, there's times where you, you, players and themselves need to pull themselves back. Uh, I think the referee could have handled it a little bit better. Certainly at the end, where there were seconds to go, at that case, you need to use a bit of common sense, get the players off there, which could have curtailed some of the, the scenes on, on, on the terracing as well, which was quite difficult to, to watch. Dion, from the player's point of view, we all know that it can get aggressive and a bit yeah. physical at times. Did they overstep the mark on Saturday? Yeah, probably, you know, the last couple of seconds of the game, really. Uh, just see, they probably could have just seen the game out. Um, <coughs> but yeah, things can get heated in the game, especially, you know, when, uh, you know, Warrington, you know, we're losing the game as well. It's, you know, it's easy to lose your head sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you've just got to try and keep calm, I think. Richard, the question now is what happens off the field as well because it was I mean I've never seen scenes like that in a rugby league ground before at the end with them climbing up to the uh, balcony and whatnot well, that that just shouldn't happen should it well clearly not um, I have to hold my hands up I haven't seen uh, the game or, or the pictures myself but only read the reports that, that the media have put out about it the reality of it is uh, there will be an RFL investigation um, they have highly skilled and trained people to look at all these matters and go through all the stewarding, the ticketing, the allocation of, of, of seats, etc. It'll be a little more tricky in this instance with it being obviously over in Perpignan and it will take a period of time. Uh, already, uh, I'm led to believe that a number of players have been banned by the disciplinary side on the field, mm -hmm. uh, both uh, from the Warrington and Catalan club. And in terms of what goes on off the field then, then we, we, you know, we place our trust in the hands of the RFL that... Um, <laughs> that they will take whatever action they see necessary. But at the end of the day, we can't turn the clock back. We have to learn from it and ensure that it doesn't occur again. What should the action be, Graham? Because depending on who you ask and depending which club the fans support, they think that there should be fines, uh, lifetime bans, points deductions. Where, where, where do we draw the line? What sort of sanctions should we be looking at? I think, you, like Richard says, there's obviously a, uh, an investigation going on. I think we need to understand the full facts. Uh, when you look at the TV cameras, again, it went from the playing field to the stands. Mm. From an outsider point of view, you didn't see exactly what everything happened, what started it. Mm. There needs to be a, a full understanding. I think the RFL or, or Super League, yeah, they need to take it seriously. Uh, what that sanction is, I think we need to understand what the facts are first. Mm -hmm. uh, was it a couple of blokes drunk who started it or was it something else? It's very difficult to say. But the RFL do need to take it serious if we're going to uh, curve this out of the game full stop. Would points deductions be too far, Dion? It, it, seems, it, it seems to me that yeah. it's not the... You know, you work all year to do something in, in the season. Why should you be fined as a club or have points taken off you? Because what some people are yeah, doing... Yeah, probably goes both ways. I think if they find the club, to be fair, the fans... I can't see the fans being bothered, but if you're taking points off your club, <laughs> you know, the fans, you know, it might you know, really hit them and think, oh, 
you know, uh, Watford on here. So yeah, that could be a consequence, maybe points taken off. Would it would it not set a precedent if we did that though, Richard, in the sense that <coughs> alright, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but a fan from a rival team could then go and put yeah. on a let's say a Saint Create Helens, an issue, shall a Saint yes. Helens fan could go and put a Wigan shirt on, couldn't it, which may pain them, but then go to the ground cause some trouble in the hope of Well look you know my last copy of the rule book's about that thick. Uh, within those rules there are um, uh, sanctions to, to deal with these matters and I've never seen anything within that rule book that stipulates an issue such as this could lead to any possible points deduction. Yeah, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. I, think uh, I think that's uh, some fantasist on, on social media making a rule up, <laughs> which we have got a history of doing in rugby league, I accept that, but I think that's uh, pretty much a non-starter. I mean, on the field, uh, Catalans are certainly feeling the effects of this victory, Graham. Is it five suspended? Five suspended, yes. I mean, that's pretty pretty damaging at the best of times. Um, but, look, they were that ill-disciplined during the game, the, the contest as a whole. They can't really have any complaints with, with them having the, thrown, the book thrown at them, can they? I don't think so. I think, they, as a club, they'll accept the consequences, that they are the actions of their players. And I don't doubt with the... With the, the the key people in charge like Steve McNamara, he will deal with that ill discipline that happened on the field, and they'll take the consequences. And, and thankfully, they've got a, a few days left to try and pull a couple of players in. Otherwise, their, their squad's going to be very thin. Mm -hmm. uh, they've obviously got a few players banned for one game and a, other ones banned for two and three games respectively. That will put pressure with the injuries that they have as well, as well as trying to fight for top five. So, yeah. ultimately, their behaviour has going to have an impact in, in their end of season performance. I guess the bigger picture areas, what it does for the image of the sport. I think that was certainly an isolated incident in the severity of it. Does this have any long repercussions for the for the sport, Dion, do you think, and the image that we're portraying? Yeah, because I think rugby league, you know, everyone wants that perception of, uh, you know, it's a family sport and, you know, you feel comfortable, you know, going watching a game with your family. Um, so, yeah, I think it could have some repercussions going forward. Um, but, you know, like Graham was saying before, you don't know if it's because people drinking uh, or it could have been something else, in the, obviously, in the stands. Richard, what can we do? I, look, I don't want to defend the sport too much for the incident itself, but we are inclusive. I think, on the whole, we are a family-friendly sport. Can you... What, what can we do to stop whoever started it, what started it, but people with that sort of attitude going to games and and causing these problems, what can we what can we do to stop it? Because it's a minority, not a majority. Surely. It's the minority. Uh, it's an issue of society. Mm. Uh, rugby league happened to be caught up in, in this particular one, and it is a rarity. It is a rarity. Um, Lord knows how many games we've all played this year across across the board. This is one incident. It's a bad incident, acceptable, uh, and uh, sorry, unacceptable in, in terms that it occurred. But it, it, it probably is a wider issue mm -hmm. than rugby league um, for society to solve and, 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 and why those people would want to go to that game and, and, and create whatever environment they did. Only really they can know that. Um, we, we sometimes look to the RFL to have all answers for all men. They probably won't uh, in this respect. Um, what I think we do need to do is, a, as a rugby league community, and, and this is something that we really are excellent as, in my opinion, as rugby league people, you tend to find that our own supporters can very often weed out those who are not supporters. Mm -hmm. Many a times you'll sort of be stood on the terrace and comments will be made that are inappropriate and people will actually tackle the problem themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's down to us all to get involved, uh, do the right thing when we can at the right times, and hopefully we will not see a repeat uh, ever again of these sorts of scenes. Richard, you'll be the best person to answer this question for us. I, I had a discussion with a number of people on Twitter about what we can do to prevent this happening again. I said lifetime bans to the people responsible, but some people don't think that that's easy to police. Is, is that fair? Um, it, it's not easy to police, um, but it is policeable. Uh, simply in that, again, the rugby league community comes together. You, um, you put all the ground regulations and photos, etc., in place. The fans know. If those people are stood there, the fans can quite easily send a text to the ground safety officer and ensure that these, um, the, these people simply are not allowed in the ground. So it's not easy, but it is doable. Here's another thing, and now I'll strongly oppose this one as well. Um, people say that we shouldn't be allowing alcohol in the stands. My argument to that is, well, why should a few mindless idiots ruin it for everyone else? What, what do you think on it, Ray? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you start taking away, uh, people may not have a beer, you'll drastically see the crowds reduce. I think one of the big focuses that needs to happen is segregation. I think when you've got two sets of fans who have had a few beers, people will disagree. And that starts leading to heated tempers, etc. So there are a number of uh, uh, stadiums that don't allow or don't have segregation. Mm -hmm. That needs to be the first uh, step for me to make sure that you keep fans apart because people will disagree and it needs to, it needs to change quickly. Uh, the grounds that have had problems are the ones where we've had segregation. But, but Graeme, it's a poor state of affairs with respect when two people, Matthew's a Halifax supporter, I'm a Huddersfield supporter, we're perfectly able to go to a game, share a drink and watch the game. If we're going to go down the segregation line, I think we're taking a lot away from what Rugby League's all about. Yeah, and, and, and I understand your point. However, the reality is where we've had crowd trouble is where segregation has been an issue. Uh, so Catalan have had it a number of times. There's been other stadiums, there's been at Bradford, there's been some trouble as well. The, the biggest challenge you've got is, okay, you and I can go and we, we quite happily have a few beers and we can enjoy ourselves, but there are the mindless idiots who take it a bit too far. And unfortunately, in the society we live, we need to try and combat that. And the only way we'll do that in rugby league is, is, is separate, in my opinion. You know, a society issue then. It's not, it's, it's a, it, this is basically a saying that people can't, whoever they are in any walk of life, there are certain people out there who can't, you know, enjoy and be sociable with each other. Is that, is but but that's thing? the same as when you go to the pub on a Saturday night. Yeah. You and I can go and we can enjoy a, a beer on a Saturday night and talk about, rubbish mm. as you do but the reality is there will be people who disagree in a pub and that's why you get fights in, in every town and every in every city across across the land uh, mm. it is a society problem alcohol will also fuel that but that's what that's that's where we are unfortunately so, we, we won't have a magic wand to fix that so on the on the segregation thing if i was to be play devil's advocate here a bit dion and to you graham even within an own set of supporters so I don't want to pick any teams. Will this, have you still not got the risk of arguments happening between the same set of fans and, and, what, and so on and so forth? Yeah, no, I, I think you do. Uh, but the reality is, going back to, to Richard's point earlier, a lot of people will self-police that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's internal fans themselves, they sort of will, will deal with that. However, if you've got one set of fans against another set of fans, that fuels fires. And you'll always, and not always, but most times, they will back their own fans. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you've got more and more against each other. That's... Yeah. If you look at Saturday, that's what happened. It probably started with one or two mindless ind individuals mm -hmm. that suddenly you had then 100, 200 Warrington fans involved and you seen the hospitality. There, there was probably 10, 15 people up there and mm -hmm. there was cr uh, crowd trouble at the left-hand side with the Catalan. 
the reality is you've got two sets of fans they're going to back each other and yeah you can self-police that if there's only one or two self-policing it mm. it becomes a bit of a challenge Richard out of interest I mean you have segregation at your grounds at, well at it, informal place. segregation yeah. um, we, we send the visiting club tickets for, for behind the post but there's nothing in reality mm. to stop them going online and buying side on which, which many many do and what I mean you don't have many issues at Huddersfield do you? I can't think of many incidents of, of fan trouble um, we had an issue with, with, with the Salford Club uh, probably about four or five years ago, which, which, was, which was their own supporters, yeah. not involving us. Um, and look, I, I think every club's going to have an isolated little issue. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, let's try and move away from that. It's a societal problem. We need to uh, minimise it, try and keep it away from our game. And we need to do a little bit uh, more talking about what actually goes on the field yeah, rather than what, what's sort of occurring <coughs> well, on yeah. the rare occasion in the I stands. Agree. Well, let's, let's talk about on the field, Dion, because for Catalans, it was a great win. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Warrington, yeah. Whether it was a hangover from the Challenge Cup, I don't know. But why? Are, the question that I think we all need answering is, why are they so inconsistent? Why are they so brilliant like they were on Saturday and then not a week after? Yeah, it's um, a lot of people asking that question, aren't they, with, with them just so good at home and then when they're travelling away, they seem to be struggling to pick up some wins. So whether the travel's getting to them, that might be a factor. But really, the full-time, aren't they? So they should be, you know, um, looking after themselves, which you do, full-time environment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a tough one, I think. Um, it's a tough yeah. one. I mean, Richard, I think it would be fair to say that there are a lot of inconsistent teams in Super League this year, but they seem to be at the, the pinnacle of it, the Catalans. Um... Hull may argue uh, against well, yes. that fact. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Maybe. They've had one or two swings, uh, as recently just have we. Look, I think Catalan's um, a unique club at the moment in, in, in Super League. Toronto may join them. When they play away games, with respect, they don't have any away fans. I think the travel is an issue uh, for them. They've got to do it every fortnight. We, we as clubs just do it once or, or maybe twice a year going across there. Um, it's for the players to say, and, and I accept Dion's point, that they're full-time, they're professional, they should do A, B, C and D. They probably don't. Uh, it, it will be an issue, there's no shadow of a doubt, mm -hmm. going away to a lot of these cauldrons that you know were in one uh, and, and now at, uh, at Featherstone in terms of the away grounds uh, and, and, and for the away team. So I think the thing with Catalan is that what they did show last year though, and, and they could very well show it again, when they put a run together, as, they are as good as yeah. anybody in the competition. And if they get into that top five, there's yeah. absolutely nothing whatsoever to stop them going all yeah. the way, as they did with the Wembley run last year. The, mm. On the Wembley run last year, at times they almost looked in, unstoppable in yep. the Challenge Cup yep. and pretty average in Super League. Maybe this year there is no Challenge Cup um, distraction for them. This could be the year for Super League for them. Well, Graham, they are the only one that looked capable of putting a little bit of a run together to get into the top five. Then I mean, Salford, yep. flying at the minute. Yeah, unbelievable. I think Salford, for me, are the, are the, the dark horses. Yeah. Uh, while they maintain a squad that is fit, they, they have every chance. And yeah. I think we've seen over the last few weeks, Ian Watson, for me, is probably the best coach out there yeah. uh, at, at present time. What he's done is only seen as a bit of a magic wand as such. How he's pulled that team together and He's pulled strays from every right, left and centre uh, and, and he continues to do it. And for me, the way Salford are playing and I watched the game against London at the weekend, the first 20 minutes, they were phenomenal. Uh, if they continue that, teams will not want to play them in the playoffs.
Well, luckily for Huddersfield, they play them next. We will be getting to Richard Fulis about the Giants straight after this break. You've spoken and we've listened. Rugby League Back Chat is available on podcast form from all your best podcast providers. If you're on a trip down the M62 or a flight to Toronto or Toulouse, download Rugby League Back Chat for the best debate inside Rugby League. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat from the LD Nutrition Stadium. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RLBackChat. Right, Richard, let's, uh, let's discuss it. Last week, it wasn't a very good uh, night for the Huddersfield Giants on Friday. What went wrong, in your opinion? Well, it was a dreadful night. Um, first of all, what, what I have to say is that uh, both the chairman and coach have issued apologies in terms of the performance. Great shame for us. We, we actually had our record number of corporate guests as well. We'd had a great build-up to the game off the field. We have a wonderful facility, we know that, and we were fortunate to fill it with corporate guests. Um, the icing on the cake is a performance, uh, and frankly, it, it was shocking. It was a season's low for us. Um, last time I came on this show, we just won by 55, um, <laughs> and this time we lose by 44. The inconsistencies and difficulties of, of running a Super League team Everybody at Huddersfield is hurting. You know, we, uh, we, we frankly embarrassed ourselves. I, I felt exacerbated by the fact it was live on Sky uh, and against uh, Leeds. Uh, people from Huddersfield do not like Leeds. <laughs> uh, simple as that. We, we don't like Leeds, end of. Um, uh, and we dished that up. Um, everybody, everybody at the club uh, was deeply, deeply disappointed. What, what triggered it? I mean... It was just a performance that I don't think anyone saw coming. Leeds were great, by the way. We'll go on to Leeds in a minute. But for, for you guys, you, you won the week or two weeks before. And then that happens. Well, it seemed to be, at the first 15 minutes, seemed to be a bit of an arm wrestle. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams sort of going at it. We, we seemed to just begin a little bit of ascendancy. I, I sort of felt uh, after about 15 minutes. Then there was a try, a back-to-back try, mm-hmm. uh, and we fell apart. Uh, we can't say anything uh, to the contrary because we did. And... These types of results happen in Super League. Uh, they happen to Hull when, when we sort of sort of beat them. Um, after the game, Gary Hetherington said it was actually Leeds' best performance mm-hmm. uh, of the year. And you, you sort of look back um, and, and you can pick out lots of little bits and pieces, but Leeds were full strength bar one. We, we six, seven, eight, uh, as has been the case. Again, missing, but an incredibly young side. Uh, and our young side... Uh, is having to learn, uh, and occasionally, as of Friday night, learn learn the hard way mm-hmm. uh, on the field. That uh, Super League, there are no hiding places in Super League. And uh, one of the, the the great examples to me was um, there was a supporter saying to me afterwards, you know, what, you know, why don't we have a Conrad Hurrell and who did fantastic things for them? Conrad was playing against an academy lad in reality, 
Uh, and I said, well, in theory, Huddersfield have. We have uh, Achille Uate. Uh, he's our, our, our big uh, blockbusting runner, if you like. He would have been playing probably against Harry Newman. One's on the field, one isn't. Mm-hmm. Has a massive difference uh, at the end of the day. The relegation race, you're embroiled in it. Everyone at the club seems quite relaxed about it, but how is it a talking point, the fact that, look, there are five teams that could still very viably go down? Is it something you've discussed? Is it something you've even had to plan a little bit for if it was to happen? Um, that's a tough question, <laughs> Matt, uh, and I knew there was going to be some tough questions this morning. Relative, yes, mm. you, we have to acknowledge that we are one of five teams that in two months' time could be out of Super League. Mm-hmm. We have got to focus and strive all our energies to ensure that at the end of the day, we are not in that 12th place position. Mm-hmm. So we get an opportunity this week against Salford and we'll get four further opportunities. There are four of the clubs sat, sat where I am now, not on this show, but equally wondering about the future, wondering what, what it may bring. Relegation last year, we saw what it did for witness. You know, mm-hmm. um, all the clubs involved at the moment have to ensure that they are not witnesses, uh, and they've got a robust plan to deal with this awful reality mm-hmm. that um, that we've all sort of brought on ourselves uh, through the change in the structure uh, that, that we voted through. I mean, it was it was sort of ironic. Somebody was saying to me the other day, "Had we got a middle eight, Huddersfield would not actually be in the mm-hmm. uh, in the middle eights because at that time of the cutoff, we were we were out of that particular section." And I think the relativity is that what we're going to see over the coming weeks is that teams in that five, if you like, are going to, going to jockey for places. And look, with St. Helens being runaway leaders, the attention, unfortunately, again, is focusing at the bottom end of the table rather than at the, the top end where there's some, some fantastic rugby being played, uh, particularly by St. Helens. I agree. If, if the worst was to happen and you were to go down, would it be fair to say that you'd be in a better position than other clubs given Ken Davey? Uh, no, I don't think it would be fair to say that. Okay. Um, in reality, I think every single club in Rugby League has its own unique and individual challenges. Uh, we have different issues to face at Huddersfield, uh, with the ground share as an example, um, and in terms of how our academy and our foundation work within, within our, our sort of club. We have a different setup there than that to in London. We have a different setup to, uh, to, to, to Michael's at at Wakefield, and we will all face enormous challenges uh, should ultimately one of those clubs go down. So to say we'll be in a better position, um, I think that's totally wrong. Okay. I think we'll be in, I think we'll be in an incredibly difficult position, mm-hmm. uh, and a position that none of us uh, none of us want to be facing in, in about two months' time. I think one thing that Huddersfield don't get credit for at the minute is the amount of young lads you bring in through. Mm. There are an extraordinary amount coming through. I can't remember how many they were playing on Friday. How big a shame would it be? if that wasn't allowed to come to fruition by, by the fact you go down, players get picked off and so on and so forth? It would be an absolute catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple as that. To build an academy up to the level that we've now been able to do uh, with Andy Kelly five, eight years, it's an awful long time, Matthew, and it's also linked to the community game, mm-hmm. to your foundation. It doesn't happen overnight. It's an incredibly difficult process. And... Uh, uh, again, t- to have the thought that, that, that we have this crop of youngsters that we, we, we've pinned a lot of uh, faith on, they've played probably too many games this year, but they've been forced to do mm. through injury to uh, to our more established players. Um, 
only the other day we had to announce that, that Dale Ferguson's um, so, sort of left the club now. Terrible shame. You know, we've had Dale Ferguson, we've had Leroy Kudjo, Kili Uate. We haven't had, I think we've had a handful of games out of three people there that really should have been tablets of stone mm -hmm. in our team this year. That has then enabled uh, younger players to step in and there is an advantage to that. But we know, um, Dion in particular will tell you, week in, week out for younger players is a big, big ask. Mm -hmm. So the experience that they've gained this year, as all clubs will say about the younger players, will be fabulous going forward, mm -hmm. but there's no two ways about it. We are in a short-term problem. Graham, on the short-term problem, and as, as an agent with players and you try to sort them clubs out, you've currently got five clubs that you don't know where they're going to be next Correct. year. They don't know where they're going to be next year. How is this affecting recruitment in the game at the minute? Well, I think you've got clubs who are nervous because mm. at the end of the day, if, if you sign a player and, and, and they are relegated, that contract could become null and void, mm. uh, depending on what clauses within the contract. I think it's also about players as well. Players ultimately want to play Super League. Mm -hmm. So do they want to sign for a club that they don't know which uh, which division they're going to be in next year? does have an impact. Uh, you've obviously seen over the last couple of days there are, there are a bit of movement in the transfer market because clubs are desperate to retain their status. Mm -hmm. The financial implications of being relocated, as, as, as Richard has already mentioned, could be catastrophic for, yeah. for any clubs. So it's difficult. Uh, however, it's been good for the sport this year as well. Yeah. I think in terms of it's probably been one of the best years that I've seen of uh, the, the regular season. Take out St Helens, anyone can beat anyone this mm -hmm. year. And I think what is, uh, London are on 16 points at the moment. Yeah. Most seasons that would have been enough for safety. Mm -hmm. This year it's not. Who knows what that final number is going to be. Dion, I guess we <coughs> are in a position where we can sit back and, and watch and yeah. enjoy what's unfolding a little bit. It, it, it has been compelling this year. There's no yeah. doubt about that, is there? Yeah, uh, like I said, apart from St Helens, really, um, it's been anyone's game, especially in that top five. Uh, and then especially with Warrington, who's probably dipped down in form, and Wigan, who's coming up into some form, you know. There will be a bit of movement at the top now, like you say, jockeying for places uh, from second to fifth. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be really well, tough these next few weeks. Well, that's a typical Wigan, aren't they? They yeah. always start the season yeah, quietly, yeah. and then suddenly they, they come up uh, on the rails this mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they finish. We, we always joke in the League Express office that come August time, roughly, that's when someone's going to say for the first time, Wigan could win it this year, yeah, and that yeah, literally yeah. seems to be a case again, doesn't it, Richard? They just they just find a way every time. There are a lot of teams could win it. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no crystal ball. Everybody knows St Helens uh, are red hot favourites, but I think they were last year. Yeah, uh, I, I would challenge the club. That. I think they were red hot favourites last year, Very much, and ultimately yeah. didn't. Um, I still got a sneaking feeling that there's something in the Catalans uh, team that might just. Uh, impact on things this year. We've talked about Salford, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Yep. There's Wigan, there's Warrington and Castleford. You know, they're all vying, I, I think, and, and it will be the team that puts the run together towards the end of the year. There may be an argument that St Helens haven't had the injuries yet. Mm -hmm. Will they hit them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will other teams become fitter? Um, long, long way to go. I think, I think it's going to be a fabulous race. Uh, I hope we concentrate on the race to Old Trafford mm -hmm. because the relegation issue you know, will have been sorted prior to that. But it's, I genuinely think it's impossible to pick a winner. I think I think what's great, I know that you're saying it'd be a shame if we don't focus on the top, but we seem to have two plots at the minute. That race for the five and the race yeah. to survive. We'll try to get a bit of a rhyme in there. It, that seems to me good for the gear. I, I know that, you know, no one wants to get too to court. There are mortgages and everything else involved at the bottom, but 
to me, Graham, when you've got two stories like that that everyone can invest in, that's that can only be good for the product. Yeah, I think it's great in terms of a, normally at this time of season, there are a group of clubs who have nothing to fight for. Mm. Where this year, I think everyone, if you take St Helens, they're, they're now probably strolling towards the, mm. the playoffs. The rest of them are fighting for, for positions. And the top five is very important. Where they finish, if they finish second or third, they've got that second chance. Mm -hmm. Or in terms of the bottom, who knows where that's going to go. Uh, that's going to keep bringing people through the front door, which is, again, is only good for the excitement of the game. What do you think of the standard at the minute, Dion? Looks high to me. Yeah, the standard's uh, really good. I know I've seen mm -hmm. uh, Salford play London and some of the rugby what they were playing was just uh, you know, really good. Some really good rugby. Um, also as well, like Catalan's played some good rugby, got some good results. So, yeah, the standard's really good at the moment. Which would be a bigger achievement, Richard, if Salford made the five or if London stayed up? Frankly, Matthew, I'm concentrating on Huddersfield. <laughs> I'm not that bothered, um, to be brutally honest with you. Um, Look, both clubs, um, I suspect, probably haven't spent up to the salary cap. So in terms of both clubs, have they got the best possible outcome from their squads? If the season finished now, yes. Mm. I think without a doubt, but looking at it from the outside, I think both those clubs have extracted every ounce that they can possibly get out of their squads. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've had great seasons on the field. What they've done off the field, uh, different matter, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of the club, the infrastructure and what they've built. But um, two different clubs though, two, two different clubs, one striving to establish itself uh, in, in the capital uh, and one superpower in the 50s or, or 60s, looking to get back to, to the glory days that they had there in what's a fantastic new facility that they've got. So both clubs sat here today will be very, very happy, I'm sure, as to where they are. Mm -hmm. Where they are in two months' time, Lord only knows. I think one of the challenges, when you, when you look at that, and a real valid point about how these two teams, I think you need to look at the two coaches. Mm -hmm. British coaches get the best out of the players, and they've, they've rejuvenated both of the clubs. In London, you look at the lads down there, they're, they're one unit. Mm -hmm. You go to Salford, and, and Dion's been there for a couple of training sessions. They are, as a team... And, and that's the difference. Where if you look at some other teams where there have been a few problems, mm -hmm. they, they're maybe not as, as the unit there. But again, I go back to the two British coaches, Danny Ward and Ian Watson. What they've done with this, the little budgets they've had has been phenomenal this year. Mm -hmm. Did you just let slip on a little transfer story then? No transfer story. <laughs> so, Dion's keeping fit. Well, Dion works in education, works in schools. So he's keeping himself fit at the moment. Well dealt with. Uh, yeah. Just on Huddersfield, are you expecting any movement before? Friday? I don't think so, no, uh, is, is the reality. Um, Graham and his colleagues send all the lists round to us, etc., which the coaches have got. Uh, they haven't identified anybody uh, to me yet that they think can, can improve our squad going forward. I, 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 we're concentrating in reality of getting the ones we've got on the paddock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're hoping this week that uh, Joe Wardle, important player for us, you know, missed him for a long time. Joe Wardle may, may be back this week. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's been a missing for Castleford this year as well. Well, uh, that, that was Castleford's choice, yeah, so, so that, that was a choice that they made yeah. uh, in, in terms of, of swapping in with Jordan Rankin. But from Huddersfield's point of view, it's sort of one step forward and one back because we just found out that we've lost Adam Wong, uh, suspended for a week. Um, I haven't seen the incident, uh, I didn't recall anything during the game, but, but Adam's suspended so we get Wardle back, we lose Wong. Fingers crossed there's, there's a possibility that uh, young Oliver Wilson uh, may come through. He had a virus last week. He was due to play and he's been doing ever so well for us. But he had a virus, simply couldn't play. So, so Oliver 
you know, may well step in. And then we've Aaron Murphy, a specialist, I think as we speak, uh, and we're not expecting uh, great news, unfortunately, uh, about Aaron Murphy's ankle. But, you know, fingers crossed. It's, it's a couple of steps forward and a couple of steps back. But hopefully we, you know, we can get our, our more senior players, you know, back on the paddock because that is what we need. And on recruitment for next year, I think we touched on it earlier, you're building a, a young side built on your academy players. You've done a little bit of business for next year, but... All in all, I guess you haven't been too badly damaged by where you are in the in the league in terms of recruitment because you weren't planning on doing a great deal. No, um, a lot of our focus is uh, is on making the the young players, in particular, we've got better. You know, we have got an excellent academy, bringing these lads through great experience this year. We've already announced the signing of uh, Chester Butler, which I'm I'm really excited about because I think that Super League clubs should be giving opportunities to the likes of Dion, uh, who sounds like he might be training at Salford, and we'll talk about that later. Um, and Chester, who's been a standout at Halifax, local boy in reality to us, so so he'll get an opportunity to go full-time next year. We have got a, another player um, that, that we're looking to bring in, um, but that'll probably about tidy us over, I would suspect, at this moment in time, um, unless uh, there are other movements out. Well, we will ask Dion about what he plans to do next after this short break. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League back chat. Just before the break, we were talking about Chester Butler and Huddersfield giving a chance to a championship player. Well, another championship player that I'm sure he's looking for a chance in Super League at some point is uh, Dion. Dion, tell us a little bit about your career and where you're at at the minute. You've been at Barrow this year. How's that been? Yeah, um, really enjoyed it so far at Barrow. Um, obviously, some of the results haven't gone our way and I thought, you know, we've really edged some of the top-end top teams now, the likes of Sheffield. Um, who you know we could have probably got a win against uh, Dewsbury, you know, drawing, uh, then getting a late drop goal. Um, so you know, if we picked up a few wins early on, I don't think we'd be in this position now. Mm. But looking at you know on paper, really we should be at that top eight, roughly in the mid table, if not at the top end. You know, we've got some really good players, uh, and we have had some good players like Sir Josh Johnson, who's moved to Salford now. Um, so we have we've got some real good potential in the squad. We, we talked about the standard of Super League, the standard of the Championship seems to be just going up and up and up as well. What what have you made of the standard this year? Yeah, the standard, I think it's, um, it's really tough, you know, physical. You know, you've got some big lads. Also, it's fast when you come up against your Toulouse and your Torontos. You play some brilliant rugby and probably compete in Super League as well. So it is, it's a really good standard of rugby. And I think as well, because lads, you know, they want a good, uh, they want a good crack at full time in Super League. Um, so, you know, you can really see them in the games, you know, the way they play, 
um, you know, they've played some exciting rugby. There are more and more making that step up now. There seems to be more people from the Championship going to Super League. How encouraging is that for the likes of yourself, young, you know, starting your career in the Championship, that you're seeing these people make that step up and having an impact as well? Yeah, it's promising, isn't it? Um, especially with like, some of the younger lads as well, uh, you know, just getting that chance of full time. They've probably dropped out at scholarship or academy like myself. Uh, gone back to my amateur club and then coming back and having that second chance of getting you know, to where you want to be. So it is, it's really promising. Hey Richard, are, are clubs looking more on the Championship now? You, you've oh. signed from Halifax, you've signed from Bradford in the season in Ollie Wilson. I know that you're a regular spectator at Championship games, so clearly you are. Are other clubs doing it as well? I hope not, because we can look in their minds. <laughs> <laughs> look, I think most people in the game know my view is that we've too many overseas players. Uh, I, I, I hold my hand up there and say I think with too many overseas players I much prefer that we give opportunities uh, to young British lads I'd slash the quarter straight down yep, I bring it down to three uh, straight away um, because we're all well the majority of clubs are investing in academies therefore we need pathways for them to go mm -hmm. and I'm a big believer that the pathway is the championship and then for some not all I accept that but for some you step up to Super League it's a big step but but we, we, we can be in danger with overseas players of blocking off pathways and the championship is a wonderful product. Uh, I, I, I see our games every single week. They're fantastic. Um, and for lads to put themselves through what they do is absolutely brilliant. And for the odd one to get a chance every now and again, I think I think it's a carrot to be dangled to all players to say that Super League clubs are there, they are watching and some will, will ultimately push through. I, I think it's a, uh, vital, certainly vital for Huddersfield, that we, that we continue to, to look in these lower areas. I mean, the list of players that have come from the Championship, I was saying to somebody the other day, we've got Sean Lunt yep. uh, in, in our uh, 2013 title winning side. Danny Bruff started in the Championship, truly great player for Huddersfield. And now for Wakefield, we've got Andy Raleigh. You know, the list, Danny Kermond, brought from this club into Super League. And we just hope that Chester Butler and Ollie Wilson can go on to have careers like, like they had. You've got a, quite a big profile of, of championship players on your books, Graham. Are you seeing the opportunity, are you fielding more calls for the, for the players that you've got in the championship? Yeah, I think, I think because of the salary camp restraints, in terms of when Richard talks about the overseas, I, I firmly agree with that. We need to cut that down because we, we bring over too many average overseas players mm -hmm. and, and there are good players and I'll give an example Josh Johnson who was at Hull KR and he was originally at Huddersfield fantastic young man uh, had to go back up to Barrow to ply his trade for, for what, about three four months he's been with Salford now for three months uh, for three games sorry and he's killed every single one mm -hmm. he's a bit of a lucky charm to them it just shows to me that there's, there's not that much of a bigger gap now than what there used to be between the two. So clubs continue to need to look there. If you look at Wigan recently, they've done Bullock and uh, Huxon as well. There are players out there. Dion, for me, is a, is a prime example, could easily step up to Super League mm -hmm. uh, with the right uh, right club. And that's hopefully where we'll go. You, like we say, you, you watch a lot of Championship. Generally, how many roughly do you think are available in the championship that are capable of making that step up right. i probably you probably can't put a number on it because there's so many yeah. no, you, you can't put a number on it matthew and the championship for some players will be the right place to be yeah because there's there's good money with respect to be earned in the championship you have a full-time job yep. and then you want to play rugby league as a hobby but a paid hobby the championship is the place is the place for you yeah. and many of them will earn more yeah. than a super league yeah. player will be so yeah. for a championship Agreed. player on occasion to actually say, right, I'm going to have a go, they've got to sacrifice quite a bit of money Correct. because yeah. your starting salary in Super League won't be phenomenal. I assure yeah. you of that. It'll be a 
uh, a first year contract, but you've got to just hope that you might ultimately yeah, make that breakthrough yeah. to the average salary, which is around sort of 60, 70,000 pounds a year. How many are there, Matthew? There's a lot, mm -hmm. there's a lot, but every individual circumstance will be different and their own individual drive to actually get to want there will be different. Yeah, 100%. So where are you at right now in, I mean, do you want to go to Super League DNA? Yeah, I think that's, you know. Uh, Off we go, that's a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a goal, obviously. We'll have that chat later. Yeah. <laughs> that's a target I've set myself, you know, I want to try and get. Yeah, I want to try and get to Super League uh, yeah. if I can and go full time. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand, you know, you can earn more money in the Championship than what you would do at Super League, but, you know, if it's to take a pay cut to just have that chance, you know, I'd take it definitely. I think it's about that drive. If you look at someone like Dion, who was at St Helens, got a bit of a, a, bit of a knock. Mm -hmm. Went back playing amateur for a number of years, came to Rochdale, Alan Kilshaw pulled him out of the amateurs last year and he was there for yeah. three months. Barrow gave him a chance and, and he's kicked on. He's been team of the month numerous numerous months. And for me, people can look at, and players can look at people like Dion saying, look, when, when you take a knockback in your career and there's too many players in Super League who then suddenly go out of the game, mm -hmm. just a prime example. You want it so badly, you can make it happen. And Dion yeah. is an example that... I believe he will be Super League uh, sooner rather than later. So you went back to the amateur game, yep. what, 12 months ago was it? Uh, yeah, 2017. Um, roughly, I reckon from 2012 to 2017 I was in the amateur game. Right. Um, Where were you playing? Uh, down at Blackbrook right. uh, in St Helens. Um, and then just after Christmas it was, I think Rochdale, uh, they had a bit of financial trouble. So a lot of lads moved on. Uh, and I just got a phone call one Thursday night um, off the coach at Blackbrook Camp Walker. Uh, he was doing a bit of coaching at Rochdale and he said, you know, uh, Rochdale are short on players this week. Do you want a game? Uh, playing Warrington in a pre-season friendly. So <laughs> cool, I just said, yeah, might as well. Got chucked in the deep end uh, and it was either sink or swim. So, you know, and then after that, Yes, it's history. Excellent. So um, you've obviously, Graham said you've done a few training sessions with Salford. Does that sort yep. of give you a taste of... What, yeah, it's giving me a taste of full life and uh, full time environment. Uh, you know, really enjoying it. If I feel comfortable, feel like I've settled in. You know, all the lads as well have really welcomed me in, and there's no like segregation. You know, everyone seems to be a team there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really good. Obviously, it's, it's a lot quicker in the championship, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm ready to take that step up. It's good. Excellent. Well, we'll watch that space most certainly. Regarding movement that could happen before Graham. We are in deadline week, yep. which everyone loves. I don't think there's any yellow ties in the, in rugby league just yet. But anyway, how much business are we expecting? Last year that it was crazy because Lee flooded the market. That doesn't appear to be happening this year. So how busy is it going to be? Well, certainly on the back of yesterday, the amount of phone calls I got yesterday from clubs, I think there will be a fair bit of movement. Uh, as soon as I leave here today, I'm off to a club just to complete a deal, uh, which is going to be on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, I think there will be a few movements. I think Catalan will certainly be trying to go into the market. Uh, they will probably have to move players on to bring players in, so that has, has an impact. Mm -hmm. Will Warrington bring in players? I think they will. They, they, they've been, as you've rightly mentioned a few times, they need a halfback. Will that happen? Salford, I think they'll look. I think there'll be a number of teams out there. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly the bottom five, and Richard's not looking to bring anyone in at present, mm -hmm. but I do think some of the other teams, maybe three out of the five teams at the bottom, will bring players in. I assume that you've been fielding calls as well from clubs asking if you've got any players available. Yeah, we've had a lot of championship clubs uh, asking us if we'd release players, but in terms of the numbers of bodies, we're not in a position to do that, simple yeah. as. Yeah. You know, we're short of bodies, we need our bodies back on the field. Um, so, so we. I certainly don't expect that we'll be we'll be involved in certainly loaning anybody out, but I know that championship clubs are looking. 
In terms of trying to build a squad, we all know how important the salary cap is. When you don't want to say that clubs are panic buying, but there might be an element of that to achieve the goals or anything. Can it be damaging long term on your salary cap if you make these moves like this and you, you sign the contracts and, and whatnot? Because you, it's a long term plan, really, the salary cap. You can't look at just next year. You've got to look two years, three years ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a live, and it's a live game. So whether whether clubs are going to bring players in just for six weeks, mm. that's not going to have much effect. It's if that if that player says, look, yeah, I'll come. I'm coming for next year as well. Yeah. You hadn't actually really had that in the plan, perhaps back in uh, April, May, when you were sort of putting it all together. That's when you might mm. run into some difficulties. But you've got to weigh up the short-term issue that you currently have mm -hmm. to, to the long-term plan. And that's the, that's the dilemma that releg automatic relegation has brought into play over this last two years in terms of where clubs need to be. So yeah. I'm sure that people like Graham uh, will be incredibly busy over this next few days but what Graham I think will find was he'll have a deal A to go but for A to work he'll need B and C which he yeah, might not be in control of with respect because yeah. there'll be some domino effects to push through. That does seem to be the case doesn't it Graham? 100%. What is it like for an agent this time of year when you've got a player waiting to sign everything's doing but you're waiting on something else it must be quite stressful. Well I think you've just got to be patient mm. I think you you've got to understand that that's life uh, from there and it's about keeping the players feet on the ground because players can be very impatient mm -hmm. and if they think they've got a move happening but they're waiting on other people that's where you, the, the skill set comes in yeah, and making yeah. sure you keep them on the same page but, but Richard's right they, they, I think there'll be a domino effect uh, that will continue to happen until the deadline on Friday I believe uh, I think Friday could be very busy uh, I'm meant to be on a plane, which I've I've now changed my flight to Saturday because uh, I think this week could be could be very busy. Which championship clubs do you think will recruit? Well, I think Lee will automatically redu uh, recruit. I think they they've went from Wembley's the most important thing to to now getting in Super League. Yeah. <laughs> I think that will that that's reality. They will bring players in. I'm not sure Toronto will because I think they're very close to salary cap. Mm. Uh, you may see Featherstone bring another one or two in because uh, they are uh, pushing up the table. I don't see York bringing anyone in. I think they've got a good squad at the moment. Uh, so they're probably where, where the movement will be. I think at the, the bottom, the bottom sorted, in my opinion. I think uh, Rochdale are gone. I think another win for Widness or a loss for Barrow probably firms that up at the bottom as well. So mm -hmm. we are only talking two or three teams in the championship. Uh, Toronto have the, have the baton at the moment. Uh, however, we've seen last year, it doesn't make a difference. It's one game. Well, here's it, Dion. Will Toronto be stopped? We theoretically they can be. It's only mm. one game; anything can happen. But will they be stopped? It's a tough ask, isn't it? I think you probably look at maybe we were speaking about this the lads the other day, and we think Toulouse maybe they could be the team to stop him. Mm -hmm. If you look at him at the beginning of the year, I think it was I think Toronto was winning sixteen or eighteen at half time. Mm -hmm. uh, next thing you know, they don't even score a point in the second half, and Toulouse run away with it forty four eighteen. I think it was. Mm -hmm. So I think they're the team. Toulouse, I think they're the dark horse as well. I think it's key in terms of, obviously, that, that final game that will be in Toronto. It's the preparation of getting the players out there. So at the moment, they usually fly out one or two days before. Yeah. If clubs are clever, they'll send them an extra day or two days to, to settle down. Uh, that's what London done last year, and, and look what they, they achieved. It's, it's about being clever with that transportation. I think you saw Toronto on Sunday, did you not? I did. What did you make of them? Um, big fish in a small pond, uh, it will be one phrase. Um, clearly the best team in the competition now. But what I've said to a lot of championship chairmen that, that when I sort of wonder about, and it's true, can you beat them once? 
Can you beat them once? Yeah, 100%. I haven't met anybody that says they can't beat them once. So I think uh, it'll be a fabulous race. Uh, I think Toronto will get to the final. Um, And then, uh, then again, you've got to ask yourselves, both teams, do they want to go up? Mm. Do they want to go up? Mm. Do you think Toronto won't want to go up? Matthew, I don't know. Uh, I've just posed the question in general in terms of championship mm-hmm. players. You're a championship player part-time. Mm-hmm. That's not applying to Toronto, but you're a championship player part-time. Do you actually want to go up mm-hmm. and then lose your livelihood because you've got to go full-time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or indeed, do you? And that was slightly different with London because their lads were full-time last year. Where if you look here, the other four teams are part-time. It's just to yeah. lose, isn't it? To lose yeah. full-time, aren't they? But yeah. yeah, it's a fair um, point. So, so, so th- these factors are, will all come into play. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you actually want to go up and potentially threaten your livelihood by going up, or are you going to be happy where you are, mm-hmm. being the top end uh, of what's, what we all know is a fantastic competition. So I, I, I really think it'll be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great shame, I think, the final will be in Toronto, but they've earned the right, and those are the regulations. I don't want to get into that that debate. But I'm just annoyed I can't go. I'd love to go. It'll be a fantastic <laughs> yeah, yeah. game. Surely you can I go. I think it'll be Toronto against somebody. Out, I think it'll be Toronto against somebody. And I just repeat that, what I said earlier, Everybody who I have spoken to thinks they can beat them once, and it's when that once is. Are they beatable? Are they beatable? You've played against them. Can they be stopped? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Can't see why not. Um, like I said, Lee got some, you know, great individuals. Mm-hmm. Feverson, some good individuals. Toulouse. So yeah, I think they could. It's happened in all sports. You look at football. You look at uh, rugby. Sheffield when they won the, the Challenge Cup. It's all about one game. London last yeah. year. Who knows? And I think all the pressure, in my opinion, is on Toronto. Yeah. Well, I think we can all safely say we're in for a fascinating end to the season everywhere across the rugby league structure. That's where we will end this week. A big thanks to my guests, Richard, Dion and Graham. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RLBatchat. But for now, goodbye.